I'm Angelica Bell. Welcome to the sustainability series of our business show. In today's episode, we'll be discussing if businesses should modernise or move their residences to create more eco-friendly workplaces and the alternative cost-effective ways to reduce your building's impact. Joining me is Dr. Jen MacArthur, SAM Smart Building Research Group Lead and Associate Professor at Toronto Metropolitan University. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. What a problem. Listen, I want to start with one of our favourite challenges and shine a light on your work um, and your journey. But you've only got 60 seconds. All right. I think you can do this. I'll do my best. So I'm trained as a mechanical engineer. And when I was doing grad school, I had the opportunity to get into the demining advocacy work that got me moving to India to try and save the world for about five or six years. And while I was there, I fell in love with building sustainability and renewable energy. Came back to Canada, worked for Arup for a few years, and now I'm an associate professor in the Department of Architectural Science at Toronto Metropolitan University, where I've been a grad program on uh, project management in the built environment, really trying to transform our built environment to be smarter and more sustainable. And that's the area where I currently do research. You are the person we need to talk to, especially as we're focusing on business premises, whether you own them or rent them. Why is it so important for businesses not to underestimate the impact of modernizing their premises? Well, from an energy perspective, I think right now it's no surprise that everybody's bills are getting almost untenable. So economically, it makes a lot of sense. But there's also some some regulatory reasons. Um, right now, there's this thing called an EPC rating. It's basically like a label for how well your building is performing. Yeah. And it's related to actually how well the building's constructed. And right now, the the government's requiring that everybody have one and that it be almost at the average. But five years from now, it actually needs to be, you know, 50, 25 to 50% better performing than all of the current building average is. So if you can't do that, you, you actually can't renew your lease. You can't actually stay in the premises. So if you don't actually modernize your buildings now, you could be stuck having to do a lot of renovations just to keep operating, which could be, you know... Quite a, quite a pain and yeah. uh, interrupt your day-to-day business. Well, Jen, a lot of UK businesses rent their premises. What sort of impact will that have? Well, if you can imagine trying to run a shop or trying to run an office while your landlord is trying to make renovations. So they're coming in, they're replacing the windows, they're replacing the doors, they're trying to redo the insulation or upgrade the systems. It can be incredibly disruptive. So if you can do this well in advance, you can actually slow it down. Maybe that work gets done on evenings and weekends, so it's not happening during your workday. The other big benefit, to be honest, is that the more that you do this, the more comfortable your spaces become, the fresher your air becomes, the less contaminants you have. And that makes for healthier, happier, more productive employees, which is obviously better both for your employees and for the bottom line of the business. Yeah, you know, you wouldn't often think location when you think of business, isn't it? But from what you're saying, it's it's really vital and something that people, when they want to start out their business, need to focus on. We spend something like 80% of our time indoors, right? Yeah. And the quality of the indoors that we're spending in has such an impact on us. So if you have a nice business premises, that's actually a nice place to be. It's actually going to be a lot easier for you to recruit people. And there's a lot of people who are starting to realize that, especially for younger generations, you know, we care about the environment, we care about sustainability. So we want to work in these offices that are actually aiming to be sustainable. So it can be a branding and recruitment piece as well. Now, Jen, like you say, businesses are looking to make their workplace more greener. So what are the short term wins if that is your goal? 
Well, there's two big things that you can do that are really straightforward. The first one is called retro commissioning. That's basically a fancy way of saying like a building tune-up, just like you might bring your car into the mechanic and they'll fix the systems, make sure everything's working properly. Retro commissioning is that same process for a building. And that can actually cut your energy use by about 25% just off the bat. Right. The other thing you can do is the really simple, there's, we call them kind of low cost or no cost measures. Things like if you still have old incandescent lights changing to LEDs, take seconds and has a huge impact. Or if you have leaky windows, leaky doors, doing a window or door replacement is a fairly low impact on your business, but can actually have a huge impact in terms of your comfort as well as your energy bills. So what you're saying is that if you're a business and you want to make those small changes, that's okay because it can have a huge impact as well. Oh yeah, and you'll probably get your money back within a year, two years on your energy bills. For this retro commissioning, usually it's such a small cost compared to the benefit that within six months, you're already ahead of the game for having done it. It's something that, frankly, I think we should be doing much, much more often than we do. Well, when looking into the long term investments that can be made, there's a lot of terminology around the building, retrofitting or redeveloping eco-friendly workplaces. Could you explain these terms for people listening at home? Sure. So a retrofit is kind of like a renovation for the building performance itself. So it might be changing the systems. So it might be kind of changing your, your boiler, whether it's in your house or in your office in terms of like your heating system. It might be changing the light bulbs or the light fixtures that you actually have. It's kind of a, a change of the way that the systems work. It might be kind of improving the insulation so it's not so drafty. When you talk about kind of redevelopment, often we're talking about a much more, you know, actually dealing with the structure, maybe building an addition, maybe actually stripping the building down to its, its skeleton, as it were, and actually refitting it. And then when we talk about like this whole idea of like emissions reductions or like the low chemicals, it's really just a, a sense of really what you're putting into the environment and understanding that the chemicals that we use every day have an impact on people. So trying to, when we dub something as eco-friendly, there are some recognized labels that actually show you that these have been verified by somebody else. You don't just have to take the branding, like the word of the product for it, but it just, somebody's actually said, yeah, no, this is actually healthier for people than say what we typically might use. Well, some of those descriptions are more dramatic than others so how can a business know what's right for them um i hate to say it but you kind of need to hire an expert yeah uh, the fact is is that buildings are all bespoke right so you can make some general statements about what should typically work there's you know three or four things that should have a good impact on most businesses but at the end of the day engage a consultant there's a lot of incentives that are offered by some of the councils to actually do this it's called, it's called an energy audit and it's basically you get an expert come in they look around your premises they have a look and see what's working and what's not and then based on that they can give you some recommendations for the really quick wins the medium-term investments and some longer term but really high benefit investments that you can make in your property so i guess it's down to cash flow or what a business can move forward with really yeah and we tend to use like it's like two three year payback periods are pretty standard for a lot of the like the measures that people get recommended there are as high as seven years is what's kind of expected by the government for businesses to put in but it's still we're not talking like a 20-year payback you will still see some benefit and these these are changes like something that takes seven years to recuperate your investment might have a 40 or 50 year benefit to you. So you're mm -hmm. still winning significantly in the long term. 
What are some of the other blockers to businesses to prevent them from improving their premises? The biggest one, and not to throw too much jargon at you, but it's called the split incentive. And basically what that means is if you think about when you're, if you let a flat, your landlord owns the flat. They're the ones who actually have control over what the boiler is, what all the various systems are, but you're the one who pays the utility bills. So you're the one who has the incentive to reduce your costs. Like they could invest as much money as they want in the flat, but it's not actually going to benefit them until the next time that they look to let and they can advertise it as being a higher performance. Yeah. It, it, it Basically, you have two different people who to get working together, they'd benefit, but one of them has to spend the money and the other one gets the benefit. Yeah. And often that, that doesn't reconcile. There is actually something though called a green lease, which has started to become more and more common that actually helps to bring people on the same page and actually remove that barrier. And is there clear advice on this topic, such as, you know, retrofit, redevelopment um, for people who are renting and businesses? There's a lot of different pieces of advice out there. Um, The UK government's published some papers, some different NGOs have published some papers. The UK Green Building Council has actually done a lot of work in this area and they have some great resources. So, and of course, any consultant who's worth their salt has the expertise. This is exactly why you hire and you pay pay them. And a lot of times they can do a fairly simple consultation, like a a first level audit for for not very much money to give you a sense of what's possible and where the benefits might be. Well, Jen, I just wanted to ask you about the importance for decision makers out there when they have to consider long-term adaptability when designing buildings. You know, do, you know, is there a commitment to it? You know, what responsibility do they have? I think that the the fundamental question that people are wrestling with when they're trying to think about this is one of carbon, right? Like everything is about carbon emissions right now. And the World Green Building Council has recognized that in the next eight years, like between now and 2030, the biggest decisions we can make aren't about actually the buildings as they're operating, but the buildings in terms of the cost of constructing them. So obviously, if you think about it, the lowest energy and lowest carbon emissions are associated with just not building new. So if you can actually take advantage of your existing property, if you can shift around how you use it and you can make these modifications, then our older buildings can actually serve us for a lot longer. And then we're not rebuilding. We're not having to spend all of this money extracting the masonry or the steel or the concrete or whatnot. So we're doing a lot of work right now to figure out how to make our existing buildings work better for us. And architects are thinking about designing buildings so that they can be adapted. So something that maybe was a residence at first could be adapted over time to become multifamily or a multi-generation residence and then go back to being a single family residence or offices that are designed to be much more flexible rather than kind of very rigid and prescriptive. And you can't imagine any other company ever moving in there. So what actionable steps can small businesses take to lower carbon emissions, especially when they occupy existing building premises then? Well, one of the big ones, believe it or not, is to go go in there in the middle of the night and see what's on, right? How many businesses would be shocked to come in and say at two o'clock in the morning and realize that everybody's computer is still on, everybody's task lamp is still on? So it's simple things, and we just call it a nighttime audit. It's things like just turning things off when you're finished having a policy where employees turn off or put their computers to sleep at night, that you actually do these timings. So it can be simple things like that. It's crazy, but one quarter of your energy is actually based on how you behave in the building. 
not what the building is, not what the systems are, but you can actually have that much of an impact just with behavior, just turning off the lights when you leave the room. And, and I guess that could be applied to private dwellings as well, you know, the way we live and how we can save energy. No, oh, absolutely. And things like remembering to turn your lights off, turning your thermostat down when you sleep at night because you sleep better in a slightly cooler room anyway. There's a lot of little things that you can do. You just need to be conscientious. But we're also really tired and we're really busy. And I think that's why we're seeing more and more of these smart technologies that start to make those decisions for us. They go, oh, there's nobody here. I'll turn off the lights. Oh, it's past this certain amount of time. We don't actually need to have the television on anymore. Right? Yeah. It, so we're starting to see a lot more of these smart devices that are starting to help us to basically turn things off when we're not using them, which seems like such a silly thing to need artificial intelligence to help us do. <laughs> but sometimes at the end of a long day, how many of us think about, oh, does this need to be on? Does that need to be on? So what can business owners do to encourage their employees to start taking action and make their environments more green? Well, I think it's too prompted. I think the first thing they need to do is actually educate their employees and actually give them a sense of, of how their behavior actually impacts the energy use and the environmental impact of the building. The second one is a lot more fun. So we talk a lot in the business world now about gamification. And you can turn it into a game. You can turn it into a challenge. So as an example, Toronto Metropolitan University built a new residence. And we've actually put in extra sensors on the different residence floors so that residences and our students can actually compete on who can actually decrease their energy use the most and who can actually have the lowest lighting use or the lowest energy use on their floor during a particular challenge week. So obviously we're not trying to get them to, you know, not use their computers or not do their schoolwork, but you can actually turn it into a game where you can actually track how they're doing, put it on a dashboard, have prizes. And we get in a very competitive spirit. So turning things into a game is increasingly being used to drive sustainability. So making them more aware. Making them more game gamification. I love that. And to be honest, if you look at it, I'm pretty sure that the companies are doing it with each other too. There's a bit, there's a bit of a chest beating exercise of, oh yeah, we have the most sustainable company. Oh yeah, well we have the most sustainable <laughs> buildings. Oh yeah, well we have the most sustainable campus. And you see this one-upmanship, yeah. and it really drives things forward, and it kind of makes it more fun because everybody likes a little bit of bragging rights. Jen, what actionable steps can small businesses take to lower carbon emissions, especially when they occupy existing building premises? Well, there's two simple things, which is, you know, changing to low energy lighting, getting rid of all of your high, you know, your incandescent bulbs and actually changing to LEDs, doing that nighttime audit and making sure that you turn your equipment off when you're not in use. But the simplest thing, and I think the first step for every business should be to hire an energy auditor and they'll come in. They'll spend a couple hours looking around, they'll take an assessment of how everything's working and they can identify the no and low cost solutions for you. Might be that you're missing insulation in an area, it might be that you have a particularly leaky window, it might be that one of your pieces of equipment needs maintenance and they can actually really help you to identify any really quick big wins as well as perhaps longer term things that might be worth discussing with your landlord, maybe under the structure of the lease that you're actually about to enter, saying, well, there's these things for us to sign a five-year lease. We want you to commit to actually changing and upgrading these systems because we're going to get the benefit. Yeah, so there's an energy auditor and you can find them online and draft them in. Yeah, pretty much any building services engineering firm will have that service. And there's a lot of specialist energy audit firms as well. Right. 
Jen, top three most important green factors to consider when choosing a new business premises. Well, the first one is always going to be your EQC rating because that tells you how well the building was built. Is it leaky? Is it well insulated? These are the things that your behavior isn't going to change, right? It is what it is what it is. The second thing is going to be the kind of lease that you have with your landlord, right? If you have one of these green leases that I was talking about, it's basically an agreement where your landlord is motivated to actually do work to improve your energy, like the energy performance. And in, in exchange, maybe there's certain trade-offs that you have financially where you're going to help to accommodate that they're going to be able to save in some of the cost sharing or they're going to get a preferred rate on the rent because they're going to be giving you a better space by the end of your lease. And then the third one is going to be the ability to control your own heating and cooling because if you're stuck with somebody if you're you know in the 20th story of a building and there's somebody on the first floor who is controlling the heat you're going to be overheating all of the time. The other thing, and this is a little bit of a bonus because I know you asked for three, (laughs) but thinking just beyond energy and really thinking about the human side of it, if you have a building that has good air quality, like you come in, you feel fresh, by the end of the workday, you're still going to be feeling fresh and alert and able to work, right? If it's not drafty, you're going to be more comfortable, you're not going to be cold, or you're not going to be too hot, it might, if it doesn't have a lot of glare, it's going to be a lot easier and a lot more comfortable to work if it's not too noisy. There's all of these different aspects to comfort. And if you get those right, you can have such a huge impact both on your mental health and your physical health and then just your ability to work. So I think that's that's hugely important for businesses. So basically your premises can have an impact on productivity as well. Oh, Absolutely. They've done these crazy studies out of the Harvard School of Public Health that said if you increase the outdoor airflow by a factor of 10, people are three times as productive. Like they're just better able to, like their cognitive things increases or they have the decrease in cognitive performance is divided. So that's, sorry, that's super technical. No, it's not, but it (laughs) just makes sense, isn't it? If you work in a space where it's good, it's, you know, even if you have a plant or whatever, it's not too hot. You're always going to feel better and, you know, produce the best results, really. Yeah, if you're not falling asleep at your desk or having a <laughs> headache by the end of the day, right? Yeah, 100%. Okay, well, to wrap the show, can we talk about the available support in the UK for businesses? I mean, we are in a situation where, you know, investment could feel like a huge cost. Um, you know, businesses are concerned about covering overheads. So are there things like grants and schemes that could help companies purchase or retrofit smart, sustainable solutions to their properties? Absolutely. And they're changing all the time. If you go and Google incentives, business, energy, UK, you'll be directed to a gov.uk website and they actually make a list of all of the open schemes that are available at any given time. So that's probably your first good uh, source for it. Offgem is another one. Right now they've got a boiler upgrade scheme. So you can get 5,000 quid to actually just replace an existing natural gas boiler with either a biomass boiler. So something basically that burns wood pellets or an air source heat pump that uses electricity and actually generates uh, your heating and cooling for you. And if you have a relatively clean grid, like say up in Scotland or you're in another area that has a lot of wind and solar, that can actually be a huge way to cut your, your energy like your your carbon emissions. The other one to look at, and this is much more discreet, is your local council. So local councils are constantly having their own programs for retrofits. 
So those change month to month, and it's just a matter of reaching out to your council office and seeing what's available in your own area, because it, it tends, does tend to be very regional, because that's really where you see the benefit. Jen, thank you so much for taking time out of I know your busy research and teaching um, to tell us more about what you do and make us think about our oh, premises and where, where we work. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me and our amazing guest, Jen, for this episode of the show. And if today's episode has inspired you, head to our website to find more insights and potential solutions that could help you take action today. Until next time.